Hello, and welcome to the CFA Society San Francisco podcast, where we interview and discuss current topics with leading members of the Bay Area investment community. This month, our host, Tanya Subatang, Membership Director with CFA Society San Francisco, had the pleasure of speaking with Nadia Patel, CFA, Executive Director at Pacific Alliance Group. Listen in as they discuss trends impacting insurance investment portfolios. Nadia, good morning. It's great to see you again. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Tanya. So good to be here. I am thrilled to have you on our show. Today, we're going to be talking about trends affecting insurance investment portfolios. And who better else to speak about this topic than you, Ms. Patel? For our listeners, you actually worked at BlackRock for 12 years covering insurers. And now you are the executive director with Pacific Alliance Group. And maybe for our listeners who are not familiar, can you kind of share with us a little bit more about your role there and about the company. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And it's great to be here to have this conversation and and seems very topical. PG is a multi-alternatives asset manager established out of Asia. And we're primarily focused on delivering opportunities that cover the private markets. So private credit, private equity, real estate on behalf of institutional clients globally. And today PG manages and we have the fortunate privilege of managing $55 billion in, in assets under management. Wow, that's quite impressive. So kind of diving into our topic, you know, we've seen a number of headlines associated with allocations moving towards private credit and more specifically the insurance market. Now, can you describe what are the driving factors associated with these moves? Sure, Tanya. I think, look, over the last three years, a number of influencing factors have driven this uptick and focus around private markets. And we've spent easily, we could easily spend an hour on this topic, but let's just maybe simplify simplify it. I'd say three things. One, notably low rates. So we've seen low central bank late rates that have exacerbated this issue, I think, for investment portfolios for every asset owner, but more particularly for asset owners that are focused on the fixed income markets like insurers. And this, I'll get into this a little later, but the pandemic is also a part of that story. Private capital has been moving strategically into this space. We've seen strategic acquisitions, reinsurance deals, which have amounted to about 200 billion in liabilities in 2021, but that's grown to about 600 billion. So we think this trend in momentum is going to continue and will shine a light on private market allocations that insurers will be making. And the third is a change in market and env- environmental dynamics, the rise in higher natural catastrophes. So the hurricanes, earthquakes, things that we've seen the headlines continuing to mount t- are tantamount to higher liability costs that need to be um, accounted for and, and strategically accounted for. It's hard to predict some of these things. So this is another opportunity for capital to be diversified. And maybe just taking a step back, coming out of the GFC, we saw the growth in allocations to private markets across private equity, private debt, real assets. The story, though, of non-bank lending, and I think this is where fewer companies who were going public to obtain capital, not only because there were newer sources of available capital through private venues, but because the threshold of entry to the public markets, such as the high yield market in the U.S. became higher. So private equity deal volumes increased. We also saw insurers, particularly on the life side, take advantage of private equity exposures in their portfolios to better liability match. And so this phenomenon continued as people saw ultimately results in portfolios. Now, fast forward that to the pandemic. And as I mentioned, the pandemic, as with the global economy confronting lower rates, lower credit spread yields, major allocators of private equity maxing their allocation bands. We now 
now saw a shift in insurance investment portfolios moving towards private credit for better yield. And so having said this, I think it's simple to say that certainly there's so many things that have driven um, this allocation to private markets, but there's definitely other considerations at the operating level. For example, property and casualty companies facing challenging cat, cat losses in 2023, not nearly as bad as 2022, but those those things affect the way that allocations are made. And in addition, policy rate changes, the cost of reinsurance, all of that continues to evolve. So is it all that simple for insurers? Doesn't a higher rate environment ultimately mean that the need to move to private markets may not be necessary? It's a fair point. I mean, from my observation in general, insurers are always going to be making just as other sophisticated investors a relative value decision. And so you've rightly pointed out the stakes are higher. When public market yields have improved with most you know, OECD central banks holding rates higher, despite what the implied yield seems to be indicating, you know, I think this is going to be a higher sort of test metric for asset managers and people to make decisions around investment portfolios and where dollars get allocated. But I think one key thing has changed in the last year and a year and a half. And certainly, you know, the market experts have continued to highlight this point. But more importantly, in a traditional portfolio where fixed income inequity has traditionally been been a lowly correlated asset set of asset classes, that now has changed into a tight sort of correlation where it presents further volatility in investment portfolios, meaning even on an absolute basis with one of those two asset classes sort of raising the or experiencing elevated volatility, that creates even more volatility in an investment portfolio. So I think it's fair to say this traditional 60-40 or in the case of the insurer, 80-20, that is not necessarily providing you with the diversification that you're, you're looking for traditionally when constructing a portfolio. I think this is also another reason why we've seen the replacement of yield go into private credit, as you mentioned earlier. Certainly makes sense. But I presume making allocations is not that simple. So what are some key considerations that insurance are beholden to. Absolutely. And again, there's so many that that these asset owners have have to fit, confront and face on a regular basis. I think I'll summarize what I think are the top ones. The regulatory environment is certainly key. And for the US, it's the NAIC and their respective state regulatory bodies. For the European market, it's, it's solvency too. Some Asian insurers also face very similar regime market regimes where they're either at um, being uh, beholden to a similar model model as the NAIC or Solvency II in Europe. But I think what what is more important to understand is that whatever these regulatory bodies and agencies are seeking to do, which is to mitigate risk and protect policyholders, it implies a cost for holding a certain type of security on the insurer balance sheet. And so insurers have to be very judicious with the way that they're allocating. The second is rating agencies, you know, publicly listed or not, the assigned rating will help determine financial stability for the insurer as it does anyone else who's obtaining a, a rating. And the ability to meet those financial obligations down the road is a crit- of critical importance for its ongoing business, but it also impacts the way that it obtains capital in the future. The final point is investment or enterprise objectives. And of course, everybody, when you think about putting my CFA hat on, what is the investment policy objective? objective that I have for my portfolio is always a matter of reference point when you're thinking about relative value and decisions that are being made.
made. And so each organization will have an investment approach or policy that they'll seek to adhere to, whether that be total return or income orientation. But those enterprise objectives drive some of those decisions and the philosophy of how investor portfolios are being allocated. And and that's very visible in in the insurance market. So as we turn the page into 2024, um, what areas in the markets are you hearing that insurance are focusing their attention on? For sure. I mean, I think there's a couple of considerations when when we think about what what is coming to mind. I think the rate environment that we've experienced over the last year and a half, many investors chose to take risk off the table and rightly so. Why why not take advantage of that short-term yield where you can? Um, That also means cash is on the sideline in some cases. It means that there needs to be sort of a redeployment of that. So there's a lot to consider coming into 2024. The volatility of operating earnings as well is another part of that consideration. As I previously mentioned, the operating considerations and the investment portfolio decisions are acutely connected. And so an enterprise view of how risk is taken can be heavily skewed towards the way that the macro environment is is determining its operating success. Um, I think another thing that we're we're seeing is as a result of some of this this uncertainty that structured solutions by regulators are coming under some further scrutiny by regulators. And so as I previously mentioned, regulators play a key important role in, in how insurers are taking um, risk in their portfolios. I think insurers are, are are there's two schools of thought here. One is let's take a wait and see approach and and how regulators may may digest some of this, but also in other cases there is a relative value decision being made on whether or not it's worth taking the risk and right sizing that risk. Um, and and a lot of that risk is being still taken in private credit um, and, and in some cases in capital efficient or structured solutions. So so that I think will continue to ebb and flow, and there'll be even more opportunities in private credit. I'm sure I'm sure that the that the listeners here have heard a number of things already coming out of the gates of 2024. The other area I think everybody thinks of and is as at top of mind is the commercial mortgage loan market. And certainly with office exposure in the U.S., insurers are certainly under scope as are banks, but they are being judicious. And I think insurers have had historically pretty pretty conservative portfolios. And so there is a view that that certainly some of these valuations are going to impact ultimately balance sheets. But at the, at the same time, I think from an investment, putting an investment hat on and thinking about what that relative value looks like and taking the next step forward, there are still opportunities. And in some cases, insurers are taking a look at that, particularly as inflation rises to the top of, of people's mind in a year where whether or not, you know, in a flat or a soft landing is, is your base case scenario. Um, as I mentioned, inflation is going to drive another area, I think, of interest. And when we think about duration, I previously mentioned short rates and people taking down duration just to take advantage of those yields. We're now hearing that insurers are taking um, an approach of extending duration and going further out. And so that also brings into this this critical question of how to mitigate sort of inflationary moves. Are there ways to sort of uh, wag a stick at multiple challenges? And I think that is certainly through infrastructure. It can be through a number of other venues that are longer dated that provide you with that adjusted real return that you're looking for. But another interesting angle is that climate. Climate change, I think, for some insurers has become an even more important topic of discussion. And so how what kind of solutions can potentially provide you with that real adjusted return or real return and and at the same time match your liabilities? Again, it's already describing to you how challenging 
challenging it can be to manage a portfolio that's complex like an insurer's. But but that secular change that's taking place in infrastructure as a great example globally, I think is going to have a key, they're going to be keener eyes towards that. So there's a lot to kind of digest and think about, but that makes it makes the job fun, doesn't it? Wholeheartedly agreed. I mean, you, you just mentioned so many different things and I'm sure listeners are eating all of your information up and really trying to digest. As you said, there's been a lot of things that's happened through climates and just everything else from the last year that I'm sure we're all kind of looking forward to see what 2024 brings. You know, with that said, Nadia, thank you so much for sharing your wealth knowledge and insights. I know I definitely learned a lot in our conversation and I hope that we can have you back on the show and, and see if any of your predictions for 2024 withhold or if something else will surprise us um, sometime this year. Thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the CFA Society San Francisco podcast. We hope you enjoyed the engaging discussion. Join us next month for another new episode. This podcast is provided for general interest only. The content is not intended to be nor should be interpreted as recommendations or fiduciary advice. Please consult your own investment professional for information concerning your specific situation.